Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Bloomington, Indiana. We're recording this on the morning of Thursday, November the 5th, 2020. We're previewing the third week of Big Ten football, uh, coming to you very soon. Here's just a matter of days, and I'm being joined by Reed Murray. What's going on, Reed? Um, not too much. Um, been watching the election the last few days, and now we got some exciting college football on Saturday, so interesting week, to say the least. Certainly an interesting week. Yeah, can't uh, can't uh, overstate that enough. But uh, I think college football provides a, a nice little distraction from the the issues facing our country and our world today. So uh, let's get into some of these games. So uh, let's start with the first game. Uh, it's the noon game. The number twenty three Michigan Wolverines heading to Bloomington to take on the number thirteen Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, this is going to be at noon on Fox Sports One in Bloomington. Going to be a nice, warm, sunny day in Bloomington. Warm all across Big Ten country, really. And while the Hoosiers are ranked 10 spots ahead of Michigan, they're three-and-a-half-point underdogs at home to the Wolverines who are coming off of a loss to MSU. Reed, do you like that line? Um, part of me does, part of me doesn't. Because um, going into this game, Indiana is the stronger team, in my opinion. The problem with that, though, is that they're Indiana. And Indiana, in the past, they've come into games – not necessarily with expectations, but they've always been the team who could upset the team, and they don't do it. They finally got their first big upset against Penn State. They finally pulled through. But the problem is, can they do that on a consistent basis? And clearly the college football college football world still doesn't believe in them to do that. So um, part of me thinks it's, it's unfair to Indiana, but on the other hand, you got to go out in the field and prove it. And they did it against Penn State. Now can you do it consistently? You know, and that's the thing. You know, this game – you don't think Indiana should be a true underdog by more than a field goal, even like a field goal Indiana would cover if they lost by three. I think that's crazy. And it's, it's the kind of disrespect you think this team kind of wants, you know, builds a little, a little momentum, makes them have a chip on their shoulder. That's bulletin board materials, what they call it. So maybe this is a good thing that they're underdogs because if they were favored, I'm not sure if I'd expect them to win the game, you know, I feel like they'd be flying a little too close to the sun. Yeah, and while the betting line does favor Michigan, I got a feeling that a lot of people are still going to be picking Indiana this game, especially considering uh, the game that Michigan just had. Yeah, for real. Home loss to Michigan State, who's looking pretty rough right now. Um, So I still think that while you might have that psychological underdog advantage, I don't think it's that that too big of an advantage because Indiana is going to go into this game probably pretty confident. You know, we beat Penn State. They're a ranked team. We can definitely beat Michigan because I think it's pretty fair to say Michigan's not as good as Penn State this year. Even though the record is 1-1 and Penn State's 0-2, I think when you look at these two teams, Penn State is the better team. So Indiana still might come to this game um, with a heightened sense of confidence, which could be bad for them. Yeah, and I think – I want to get into the, the details of the game itself. You know, This is going to be the toughest test Joe Milton's faced all season because you know he looked great that week one game against – Minnesota, but they have just an awful, awful defense, and especially that secondary for Minnesota is terrible. Uh, they go in week two and they lose to MSU, who uh, that was obviously a, a huge shocker. And yeah, Milton threw for 300 yards, took him 51 attempts. This Indiana secondary is not as forgiving as, say, MSU or especially Minnesota. I think they're going to punish him a lot, and uh, the Indiana defense is going to come up big for a third time this season. Yeah, I agree with that. This Indiana secondary is nothing to mess with. Um, and, and I think in this game, it's going to come down to Tom Allen because they're facing an esteemed opponent. 
and they have expectations. But on the field, I think the main three guys who it's going to come down to are Michael Penix, Ty Freifogel, and Peyton Hendershot. Because Indiana, in my opinion, has relied on their defense too much in the first two weeks of the season. And at a certain point, the defensive backs just can't bail you out anymore. They've done, they've had two great performances on the field against Penn State and Rutgers, but I don't know how consistent that's going to be and how long they can continue uh, to bail their team out when Indiana can't put together full 80 yard drives. So to win a game like this, I think it's going to take Michael Penix leading his team all the way down the field consistently. And a lot of that's going to rely on Peyton Hendershot and Ty Freifogel because Freifogel was one of his favorite targets against Penn State. And Freifogel didn't make a lot of the catches. And some of that is Penix's fault. His None of his passes were perfect. Uh, but some of it you think, well, Freifogel, you probably should be able to come down with that catch. Uh, and the reason I say I point out Freifogel and not Wap Fillier is because Wap Fillier is clearly the best receiver on this team, probably the best player on this team. So Michigan's going to do everything in their power to lock him down. So it's going to come down to the uh, – the two targets you probably won't be as well covered, which are going to be Hendershot and Freifogel. Now, Hendershot, I would say, is a better ball catcher than Freifogel, and I think he's easier to rely on, especially in a, in a crunch time situation, third and long in the fourth quarter or something. You're going to be looking at Hendershot. So that's why well, I say that uh, Speaking of third and long in the fourth quarter with Hendershot, sorry to interrupt, but he dropped that pass against Penn State that probably would have sealed the game, and you wouldn't even have had to go into overtime. So. Yeah. But uh-huh. I agree. I absolutely agree with you with Indiana's receivers and Michael Penix being uh, the difference makers for them because you talked about Indiana's secondary bailing out the Hoosiers. That's not happening with Michigan. These corners are not good. And mm-hmm. uh, you're seeing a huge jump in talent from week to week uh, from Rocky Lombardi and Ricky White, who had incredible games against Michigan, don't get me wrong, uh, for MSU. Uh, Michael Penix, Ty Fry Fogel, Peyton Hendershot, and Watt Philly are just flat out better. So. Uh, while the corners and the defensive backs have been a huge issue for Michigan, uh, you should see, hopefully Indiana can, can kind of expose them even more than they have been already. And one thing that I think Indiana is going to get exposed by is Michigan state's defensive line, which has been great. Their pass rush is really good. And Indiana's offensive line has been shaky through two weeks. So uh, I think it's going to come down to Michael Penix. If he can evade the pressure, get out of the pocket and get the ball downfield, his receivers are going to be open. He just has to get out of there and get away from the pressure and the play calling has got to be there too. You know, Nick Sheridan, uh, early in the game, uh, for the first two games of the season, the play calling was was kind of shaky, you know, basically just running up the middle on first down every time. Uh, and that's not been a strength of this team. The interior offensive line has not blocked well for Stevie Scott nor Samson James. Uh, so if the play calling is the way it was in the fourth quarter in an overtime, I guess, against Penn State, uh, fourth quarter for the Rutgers and Penn State games, though, Uh, then I think Indiana could come out and uh, maybe take an early lead. But if the play calling's not there early, if uh, they're running the the kind of conservative offense and they're not playing to their strengths, which I think is getting the ball down the field and running around the outside edge, then IU could be in for some trouble. Yeah, and uh, I think it's interesting that you bring up that Michigan D-line because on one hand, it's really good if you're Michigan to pressure the quarterback. You want to put the quarterback under as much pressure, make him feel as uncomfortable as possible. But on the other hand, you look at that Penn State game, late in the game, although there were really just short runs um, in first and goal, second goal territory, or um, in overtime, Michael Pettix did a lot better scrambling than he did passing the ball. So I think we might get to see some more Pennix runs in this game. That might actually end up helping Indiana. Yeah, you know, he he does not prefer to run the ball. And I think a lot of that, especially early in that Penn State game, he didn't want to run the ball because, you know, probably fear of injury. He's had two season-ended injuries. And, you know, if you're a quarterback running, you're bound to take a hit. So I think a lot of that was just kind of fear and maybe a little rust. But 
he can run the ball, obviously. You know, he ran for those two-point conversions, whether it be the reach or the other two-point conversion that sent it into overtime. Uh, Penix ran for those, and he can do it. He can run. He had a first down run in the first quarter against Rutgers. He can definitely run the ball. Yeah, and uh, I think in this game, it's an Indiana-Michigan game, so it's going to be close. No matter who is on the field for these two teams, I think it's pretty safe to say it's going to be a close game. So it's really going to come down to can Michael Penix, like I said, put together full drives. I'm just not buying the Michael Penix hype, and I don't think he'll be able to. I think he'll do it a couple times. I don't think he has the ability to play a full 60 minutes to the best of his ability, and I think that's what's ultimately going to put Michigan over the line. I think they're going to win an ugly game. Um, They're not going to win an ugly game, but they're going to look rough. I don't necessarily think Michigan's going to deserve it, but I think Michigan's going to win this one 28 to 24. I'm taking Indiana 27 to 20. And I think it's just because this is going to be the toughest defense Joe Melton's faced huge challenge for him. And really I think Indiana's offense is just going to kind of expose those corners for Michigan. That's going to be what it comes down to. I don't like Michigan secondary and uh, this is going to be their toughest challenge yet on both sides of the ball. I'm taking the Hoosiers. And we talk about those corners. I think when it comes to my pick, this game's either going to be a really close Michigan win or an Indiana win by two or more scores, because I think it's really going to come down to whether Indiana can expose those quarters. I think that they, I think if they do, they're going to get a lot of points on the board, and this game won't be as close, and Indiana will come away with a win. But like I said, I just don't have total faith in Michael Penix to get this one done. Yeah, and we're going to have to see. This is certainly uh, one of the most anticipated game of the week games of the week. Excuse me. Uh, the only ranked matchup in the Big Ten this week uh, between the Hoosiers and the Wolverines down in Bloomington. So uh, that's our first game. And uh, let's move into the second noon game. This is going to be in Evanston, Nebraska taking on Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern's a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. Uh, this game will be on BTN. Northwestern, 2-0. and They got it done last week against Iowa, the big comeback. And Nebraska, they've lost to Ohio State, and their game against Wisconsin was canceled. Because that game against Wisconsin was canceled, while I think Northwestern is the better team, I'm going to go with Nebraska because they've had a week off, a week to rest, and two weeks to prepare for Northwestern. Because you know, even when that Wisconsin game was still technically on, that Nebraska coaching staff, if they're, you know, worth their two cents, they got to be thinking, like, we're probably not going to play this game. Let's focus on Northwestern. Yeah, you're completely right about that. Um, And I think on the field, this game is going to come down to how well Northwestern can defend the run. They did it well against Iowa. Now, can they show up with a team with more speed? Can they show up against a team with more speed in a playbook that consists almost entirely of run plays? Um, There's multiple really good runners on this Nebraska team. They got uh, Martinez, McCaffrey, Diedrich Mills, um, a really triple threat offensive uh, run game. And backup quarterback Dylan McCaffrey, um, or not Dylan McCaffrey, What's his, what's, his, what's which uh, McCaffrey brother plays for Nebraska? Luke. Luke McCaffrey, that's right. It's confusing my uh, Big Ten McCaffrey brothers. Anyway, Luke McCaffrey, the backup quarterback, he got in as a running back from time to time against Ohio State, which is really interesting. I didn't expect to see that. Um, and I think that could throw the Northwestern defense off a little bit. Um, I do believe in this uh, Nebraska offense when it comes to running the ball. Problem is you're going to have to pass the ball at some point against Northwestern because – their defense is just good enough. But Northwestern's biggest strength in defense, I would say, is their secondary, or probably their linebackers. But their secondaries look strong through two weeks. So Nebraska, they're probably not going to rely too much on passing the ball. I feel like they're going to have to at some point, though, which that's where the problems are going are to show up for them. You know, and I agree with you. I do think Northwestern is the better team out of these two. 
still, but there's just something about, you know, two weeks of prep. They got a bye. Uh, not, not, not a whole lot of teams are going to get buys uh, this season. In fact, nobody is scheduled to have a single bye week. So if, if Nebraska wins this game, I think it's because they're well-rested and they're well-prepared. And I think another thing to take into consideration here is the fact that Scott Frost's seat is pretty hot at Nebraska. And I haven't heard a lot of talk about him potentially being fired, but he's had two rough seasons. We were talking about this in the offseason. He's got to get it together. So if he can pick up a win against a team, a Northwestern team who they're not currently ranked, I think they should be ranked. I have him at 17. I think it's honestly pretty absurd that they're unranked at this point um, after what they've done through two weeks. But I digress. Um, this will be an impressive win for Scott Frost. He kind of needs this one. So when it comes to the players and the coaching, Nebraska really has that motivation to get it done. And it's not that Northwestern doesn't have the motivation. You know, they've still – they're trying to hold on to first place in the Big Ten West. They want to win this division, especially, let's say, Wisconsin somehow becomes ineligible to win the division due to missing so many games. And, you know, the, the other team who they're really competing with for first place, besides Wisconsin, who's off this week, is Purdue, who's also off this week. You know, the other 2-0 and team in the Big Ten West. So, uh, Northwestern does have that motivation to try and get a spot in Indy uh, this season. They're trying to hang on, and – you know, they're bound to drop one somewhere along the road, and I think this might be the first one. Yeah, but let's also not count Nebraska out completely because I know they have a hard schedule, but they're, they lost to Ohio State, but that's not a division game. It's a conference game, so of course it matters, but it's not a division game, so when it comes down to tiebreakers, that one's not going to hurt them too bad. If you're going to drop one here or there, better do it against Ohio State than it is from somebody from the West. They don't have to play Wisconsin, so – now you look at the schedule, of course, they still have to play Penn State, still have to play Northwestern. Um, they still got to face Iowa. But Nebraska's schedule is sort of starting to clear up. So I would say you could still call them contenders for the Big Ten West here, and I wouldn't completely count them out. So they could have that going uh, in terms of their whole mental <clears throat> thought process going into the game. Right, and, you know, they've got a chip on their shoulder. They didn't. They wanted to play last week. They tried to schedule that game against Uchi Chattanooga. Didn't happen. I think they're kind of mad. They're playing angry. And they're probably mad that they got embarrassed at the shoe, too. Yeah, I mean, oh, they had no a good staff, and then they just got blown out at the end. So they're probably mad about that one, too. And, you know, we're going to see if they're just mad about it and they use that as motivation or if that's just a sign of what this team really is. And I think it might be a little bit of both. And, well, I, I don't think this team is, you know, bad. I don't know how good they are. But, you know, I think they're good enough to get a solid win like this one this week. And it hurts me to pick against Northwestern, given how high I am on them and how high I've been on them since the very start. But I'm going to take Nebraska 21-17. to 17. Um, I think this game is going to be close. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that this Nebraska defense is just objectively bad. And Peyton Ramsey, I think, is going to have a field day against them. I think this game goes into overtime. And I have the Cornhuskers 31-27 to 27 coming away with a win away to Northwestern. You know, this is a tough one to pick, I do think, though, because – I think Northwestern is the better team, but I think the rest and the extra prep is going to kind of put Nebraska over the edge. And you can't forget that Northwestern last week was missing 33 players. Uh, I don't think it was really entirely disclosed why. You can draw your own conclusions, but they were shorthanded last week against Iowa. Who knows if that's going to carry into this week or not? I agree with that. I mean, Northwestern, I think it's pretty safe to say that the better team, but yeah. It's, uh, it's not a guarantee they win a game like this. And I really don't think it's a guarantee anyone from the West wins any game this year because this division, the Big Tens look crazy overall, but I think the West is the one where it's the hardest to predict games on a week-by-week -week basis because so many of the teams are just so evenly matched. And I think in this game, Northwestern's a better team, but 
Nebraska's still okay. I mean, I think they'll go around four and four, but they're still a pretty good team. They'll be one of the better four and four teams in the country or five and five, depending on which conference you compare them to. But it's really hard to predict these West games. And every now and then you got to throw in an upset like this. So Nebraska in overtime is my pick. All right. So we both have the Huskers here in this one. Let's move into our next game. Also in the noon slot on ESPN, Michigan state headed to Iowa city to take on the Hawkeyes. Iowa's a six and a half point home favorite. Hawkeyes are 0-2. Michigan State's 1-1 one one with that win over Michigan, but is it going to carry into this week? Who knows? They've got a lot of momentum. But Iowa might be due for a win. Who knows? What do you think, Reed? Yeah, I think they, they did the unthinkable last week, and now they're going to go back to the 2-6 and six team or 1-7 or, or so team we always saw them being. Um, and Iowa ought to win this game, but when you think about it, both Purdue and Northwestern passed the ball against them pretty well. Um, and that's how Michigan State beat Michigan. They passed the ball. Rocky Lombardi showed up. We didn't see that coming, but he did. And it's really going to come down to Rocky Lombardi again. Can Michigan State establish a pass game against Iowa? Because that is where the biggest weakness is on defense. So that's going to be where this game come down, comes down to. Um, and while I think this is definitely something to keep an eye on, I just don't see Rocky Lombardi or anyone on this Michigan State team, quite frankly, having the consistency to pull off a win like this two weeks in a row. I just don't think they have in the tank, especially Rocky Lombardi, because he's been a pretty hot and cold quarterback throughout his college career. So I don't think this Michigan State passing offense will torch Iowa. I think they'll be able to get a drive or two going, but I don't think they'll be too huge of a factor. And I will say this game is going to be ugly. I agree with that. And Michigan State is maybe the most confusing team in the Big Ten. I would say they are. You know, one week they turn the ball over seven times and lose to Rutgers. Next week, you know, they beat Michigan on the road and they look incredible and the passing offense is high flying, but Iowa is a better defense than Michigan. There's no doubt about that. Iowa has a worse offense than Michigan. There's no doubt about that. I think that this is going to be kind of a low score, but I, I, I don't know. This is tough. I'm taking Iowa because they're due. Iowa is the favorite. They're almost a touchdown favorite. You know, they're 0-2 against two teams who are leading the West right now. You can say they're the best teams in the West. You can say they're not, whatever, but they're leading it, and they're 0-2 against them. Iowa's due for a win at some point. They're at home. It's tough to pick against them. I'm going to take Iowa 24-20. to I think this game is going to be a turnover fest because both these teams have turned the ball over way too much throughout this season, and this could be another really ugly turnover fest. I think the difference in this game – um, between the Michigan State-Michigan game and the Michigan State-Iowa game this week is Ference is a better coach than Harbaugh. And I think he's going to play to his strength offensively better than Harbaugh did. I see Iowa running ball effectively with Sergeant Goodson. Um, and even with that, I think Peters throws no less than two interceptions and Rocky Lombardi gets at least one. Going to be a few fumbles here and there. This game is going to be similar to the Iowa-Michigan game last year in terms of the score. It'll be an ugly one. It'll be a low-scoring one. I got the Hawkeyes 14-10. to 10. Yeah, my score prediction might be a little high, but we're going to see. I still do like Iowa by, you know, a score more or less here. I think they are – they're due. They need a win. They are not going to start the season 0-3. That is kind of inconceivable. And at that point, you'd have to start asking a whole lot of questions about this Hawkeyes team. And no matter what you think of Iowa or how good they are, it seems like they're going to play a close game no matter who they play against, whether it's Penn State – uh, Wisconsin, or if it's a team like Michigan State. I think it's they're always going to keep it close, um, and that's just who they are. 
Yeah, and uh, let's move into our next game here. So 3.30 on BTN, Penn State taking on Maryland. The 0-2 Nittany Lions taking on the 1-1 Terps. Maryland might also be the most confusing team in the Big Ten if it isn't Michigan State. Getting blown out by Northwestern week one. And then in week two, uh, they take them on Minnesota at home, beat them in overtime by a point off that missed field goal or extra point, rather. Penn State's 0-2, but they're 0-2 against two really good teams in Indiana and Ohio State. And they're at home. It's tough to pick against Penn State in this one, even when you look at the records and you see what Maryland did last week. Maryland seems like they are the most finicky team in this conference. You know, one week they're perfect, one week they're awful. And even with that, they, that Minnesota game was very, 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 very close. And they probably should not have won that game uh, if it weren't for that missed extra point and a furious comeback in the fourth quarter. But they won it, and they did get it done. I think Penn State's just better. They are just a flat-out better team. Are they 25 points better, like it says here in the spread? I don't know. But I think they are just a better team. I don't think men. I don't or Maryland. I don't think Maryland is awful. They did beat Minnesota, which who knows how impressive a win that is anymore. But Penn State is just a much better football team. And how odd is it to see winless Penn State facing 500 Maryland? That's something that seems like it's out of a video game or something. Um, but I think Penn State is going to beat the daylights out of Maryland to prove that they still deserve to be ranked. I've heard a lot of talk. Um, seen a lot of polls throughout Twitter and Instagram talking about should Penn State still be in the AP poll top 25 and there's a lot of votes for no that's just wrong Penn State is too good of a team to not be in the AP poll top 25 especially when their two losses are an overtime loss to a team who's in the top 15 and a home loss by two scores to the best team in the country that is absurd to take a team completely out of the rankings after that and I get it that they're 0-2 and that if you want to be an elite team is going to New Year's Six Bowls you got to be able to win some of these games but the top 25 isn't a measure of, if, of whether you're elite. It's a measure of whether you deserve to be ranked. And this team is, I don't, I don't think it's even, I don't think it should be a conversation whether they should be ranked. Um, I think they should unquestionably be in the top 25. I have them at, I think, 23. So I punish them for those two losses, but I think they're going to work their way up throughout the rest of the season. And not that Maryland is going to be an impressive win, but Penn State is a great team and they should be able to pull off a big win. And that I think that'll really ensure in people's minds, all right, Penn State, they're still Penn State. And we can still believe in them. We can still count on them to win games. So hopefully after that, the AP poll, the coaches poll, and all these other uh, rankings and journalists and all and whoever will, will still rank Penn State fairly as they deserve to be. You know, they are pretty much without a doubt one of the 25 best teams in the country. But uh, through two weeks, they are owned two. And it's hard to put a winless team an 0-2 team in the top 25. That just doesn't look great. I get why they're not ranked, but I think if you were to say just on a purely, are they one of the best top, or are they among the top 25 teams in the country? I think the answer is a resounding yes. Yeah. And when it comes to Maryland this game, I think Talia Tagovailoa, who had a really good week last week, he's going to come in and people are going to be expecting um, a really good performance from him. They're going to expect high passing yards, a little bit of ground game. I think he's going to look super average i think he throws maybe a touchdown and a pick um maybe completes half of his passes this penn state defense is just too good for him to handle and actually i think he's going to throw probably more than two pick or two or more picks because the thing is this penn state defensive line is going to pressure him so much and like i said in the past he's a young quarterback doesn't have a lot of experience doesn't have a lot of experience experience against elite teams the one elite defense he faced was northwestern and his team mustered three points throughout the entire game he threw three picks so 
I think he looks pretty shaky here, and that's not to say that he's a bad quarterback. It's to say that he's a quarterback playing on a bad team against one of the best D-lines in the country. So while people might be expecting something from Talia in this game, I don't think he delivers, and I think Penn State comes away with a 42-10 to 10 win. I'm saying 35-10. to 10. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on all those fronts, but uh, there's not really much more to be said. Penn State just needs a win. They need a win, you know, to get some momentum, build some confidence, and you know, just to get into the win column because starting 0-3 is just absolutely miserable. I think it's pretty impossible that Penn State starts 0-3 when you got Maryland as your third game. And, uh, you know, as wacky of a guy as James Franklin is, he's going to rally his troops to this game. They're going to be pissed off, and they're going to give it to Maryland. Yeah, James Franklin does not like Maryland. He has a kind of a vendetta against them from what I've heard. But I think, I think Penn State does get it done here, and they get it done in a big way. Uh, here on Saturday afternoon in Happy Valley. Other 3.30 game, Minnesota and Illinois on BTN. Minnesota is a seven-point favorite on the road in Champaign. Minnesota and Illinois might be the battle for last place in the Big Ten West. Who would have thought that that Minnesota would be all the way down there? But here we are. Uh, Illini dealing with some COVID issues uh, stemming from right before uh, their game against Purdue. Uh, So they'll be missing some guys, but they still almost pulled it off against Purdue, and you know, Minnesota's coming off of that demoralizing loss to Maryland. I still like the Gophers in this one. I think they are certainly not as good of a team as anybody expected them to be. Maybe not even a good team, period. But are they really going to start 0-3 with a loss to the COVID-battling uh, half-strength fighting Illini? Yeah, I, I see what you mean there. And I'm going to call this game the worst in the Big Ten Bowl or the Big Ten Toilet Bowl or – something along those lines, whatever you prefer. Um, as much as Illinois' offense is stagnant, this game might actually be pretty high scoring just because Minnesota has looked atrocious on defense so far um, against Maryland, whose offense was not looking great week one. So I don't love this Illinois offense, but they'll be able to put some points on the board against Minnesota because this defense needs some serious work. And this game could be a contest, but at the end of the day, having Corin Taylor, a quarterback at Illinois, the four-stringer, um, that's just that's what's going to cost them because as, as awful as Minnesota has looked on the defensive side of the ball this year, I just don't think a fourth string quarterback can go and get it done against a team who won the Outback Bowl last year. Is it I, Corin Taylor for sure? Is he or the third stringer got hurt last? Every week report I've seen says Corin Taylor, but Corin um, Taylor. okay, it's possible that he doesn't play. I, I'm going to go ahead and I'm under the assumption that Taylor will be the starting quarterback in this as game. I guess it cost them because it's just hard to rely because I think this game like Illinois' game last week, is going to come down to the fourth quarter. And I just don't think you can be in the fourth quarter relying on a guy with such an experience um, who, I mean, he looks good for a fourth stringer. Uh, I don't want to knock him too much. He looked fine in his debut, but that's just the thing. He is a fourth stringer. I just don't think he has it uh, in the tank. So this game will be a contest, but Minnesota ends up coming with a, coming away with a win. 38-24 is going to be my pick. And I think this game could help Minnesota in the long run because they need a win. And if there's anyone who's going to give it to them, you, you would think it would be Maryland because we thought they were uh, probably the worst team in the Big Ten. They couldn't get that one. So if anybody is going to give Minnesota their first run of the season, it's got to be Illinois. And uh, I got I got Minnesota in a relatively high-scoring one. 27-21 Minnesota for me. Uh, I think kind of like the Purdue game for Illinois. Illinois is, is kind of down for most of it, but they kind of rally back late, uh, but not enough to pull it off against – Minnesota, although Minnesota last week did have that big lead on Maryland and 
Well, you might have thought at first Maryland's rallying back. Oh, they can't pull it off. They're down 17 in the fourth. They pulled it off anyway. So anything is possible in this one, but 27-21, Gophers is my pick. I like that pick. All right, so last game of the week with Purdue and Wisconsin off the table. We will not be seeing that game this season. Uh, the final game of the week is Rutgers and Ohio State, 730 BTN, Ohio Stadium. Rutgers 1-1, one one, Buckeyes 2-0. Better game than most years, but still not really much of a game. I agree with that statement completely. I think Rutgers will at best compete, but they don't have nearly enough what it, uh, of what it takes to play a full 60 minutes that's well enough to beat Ohio State. Um, and in the past, looking at this game, you could think, oh, this could be a trap game. You know, they're facing Rutgers, who's on the rise, coming off the back of a tough win against Penn State. I just don't see it. I, I can't imagine a universe where Rutgers – defeats Ohio State, uh, or at least this Rutgers team, maybe a few years down the road when Shiano really gets this program figured out. But as of now, I just think it's impossible. And I want to see some production from the non-starters. First of all, I don't want Justin Fields playing the entirety of this game, mainly because I don't want him to get injured, um, but also because I want to see how the backups look. Because last season, when we saw Chris Chuganoff come in, late in games or again in the Michigan game where Fields was injured for a few minutes, we thought, man, if Fields goes down, Ohio State is screwed because Chuganov is just not good enough to lead this lead this team to where they need to be. And against Nebraska, Jack Miller the third came in, uh, got some snaps late in the game, and he was mainly running the ball. He didn't get the pass very often, so um, it's hard to really judge how he looked. But he looked all right. Uh, he was good enough, it seemed. So I want to see how well – um, some of the backups can do for an entire quarter. Hopefully this game will be over by the fourth quarter. I think I might have to have some questions about Ohio State if it's still a game um, after the first 45 minutes. But I want to see Jack Miller third come in. I want to see Steel Chambers in this game because – well, I actually, I also want to see Trey Sermon because Trey Sermon, he came into Ohio State. I was thinking this guy's going to be the difference maker. He's going to – once I saw the Trey Sermon transfer to Ohio State, I said, okay, we're winning the national championship now. And he's looked super mediocre so far. I want to see him completely ball out. And while I love Master Teague, I kind of want him to take a backseat in this game because I want to see what Trey Sermon can do on this offense. I want to see if he actually has what it takes and if he still is uh, his former self where he was at Oklahoma two years ago because he was a great player back there. And we haven't seen that when he wears a scarlet and gray so far. So I want to see that. And Steel Chambers, he was looking good week one against Nebraska. Um, and he is the third string running back, but maybe he can earn himself the second string spot, uh, get in on a few plays against some of these teams like Penn State and Michigan. So I want to see what he can do against Rutgers, because like I said, it's still Rutgers, but this will be a good team to gauge how good some of the backups are, because they'll still be able to compete. They'll they'll hold their own on defense, but um, I don't think it's ever going to be a question of whether the Scarlet Knights actually win this game. Yeah, and well, I do think this this isn't going to be the blowout that it is most years, no doubt about it. Rutgers is a much better team than they are in the past, but good enough to win in the shoe? Not not even a question. Ohio State is going to win this game by a lot of points. I'm saying 45-17 Ohio State, uh, and I don't think it's going to be any higher because I think Ohio State's going to put in the backups at some point. Maybe not too early, maybe early fourth quarter, but going to give Fields a little bit of time to pad some stats and uh, try and push for that Heisman Trophy with as many touchdowns and completions and yards as he can get. Yeah, that, that's true. They definitely do want Fields to get as impressive of stats as he can. But I think in this game, you if I was Ryan Day, I would be taking him out as, as early as possible. Once this game is locked up, 
I don't want to see number one at quarterback on the field because I'm just afraid of him getting injured. And like I said, our backup quarterback, he seems to look all right, but I don't want to risk it. I don't want there to be any danger of fields not playing in the games when it really matters. I mean, we saw what happened in Clemson. They have a good backup quarterback and they almost got beat by Boston college at home. And he looked rough in his debut. So I don't want a situation similar to that happening at Ohio state. So I want field to be playing as few minutes as possible in this game. And one thing on the defensive side of the ball, I really want to see the secondary turn up in this game because for the first two weeks, they weren't looking great last week. They looked pretty shaky, to be honest. Sean Wade was probably the most, I wouldn't say the worst player in the field, but he was the most disappointing player in the field. Um, he went up against Jahan Dotson who torched this Ohio state defense and he's a hard guy to defend, but Sean Wade, I mean, he was coming, he was going to be my defensive player of the year. He's got to do much better than that. If he wants to be winning some kind of big 10 honors or be a top or, you know, top 15 or so, uh, or at least first round draft pick, he's got to show up more than that. And I think he can against Rutgers. And I think Noah Vedral is a good quarterback, but hopefully Sean Wade, this will be a bounce back game for him. He can go into the next few weeks with more confidence. Um, so especially when you throw in the fact that Cameron Brown, he's a defensive back for Ohio State, he's out for the season, which was the report that just came out. Ohio State needs to bounce back. Their secondary needs to show up in this game. Um, and I think they should be able to, because like I said, it's still Rutgers. I got Ohio State in a big win. 52-13 is going to be my final score. I think this one goes down similarly to the Nebraska game. Yeah, and uh, Ohio State is – they've got experience against run teams. You know, Penn State runs it well. Obviously, Clifford, he's mobile. And, and Nebraska is a run almost exclusively team with, with uh, their two quarterbacks who can run and, uh, of course, Dedrick Mills. But uh, Rutgers is another team who runs the ball a lot, and they ran it really well against Indiana. And that was kind of what kept them in the game besides, you know, stupid penalties from the Hoosiers. Uh, it was a lot of uh, big chunk runs and guys going down the sideline, but uh, Ohio state's run defense has shown for two straight weeks that they can contain good run teams and Rutgers is a good run team. I think Ohio state contains them though. Yeah. Rutgers um, maybe through the first quarter, it'll be like seven to seven at the end of the first. And everyone's on Twitter talking about upset alert, upset alert, make sure you uh, tune into what channel is this game on? What is it? Is it Big BTN? Ten Network. Make sure you tune into Big Ten Network. We got upset alert through uh, quarter one, but Rutgers doesn't keep it close for too long. This game, this might be similar to how last season against Miami of Ohio, it was seven to five, Ohio State at the end of the first quarter, and then Ohio State ended up, Miami of Ohio never scored for the rest of the game. It could be similar to that because um, Ohio State tends to do that in, in games like this. They they let them keep it close through one quarter, and then they just really explode after that. And Ohio State is a second-half team, to be fair. So um, I don't think people will be looking at this game as a potential upset for very long. I agree with you there, Reed. So uh, we both got the Buckeyes winning big this week. And that's it for our Big Ten games this week. Now let's get into something we forgot to do last week, but we're going to do it this week. It's the pick six. We're taking you around the country to six games you got to keep an eye on in the world of college football. So – First game, this is going to be a Friday night game, 9.45 Eastern time, out in Idaho. The Blue, Boise State hosting BYU, number nine BYU undefeated at number 21 Boise State, who's 2-0. BYU is a three-point favorite on the road. Zach Wilson, some people are calling him a Heisman contender. Think BYU gets it done? Probably the biggest test of the season. I hope so, because it's really exciting to see a group of five team actually compete and get into those top ten. Uh, rankings and I mean Boise State's a really good team but 
I hope and think that BYU will get this one done. I'm really excited for this one because this will be your like group of five Super Bowl, it seems. I got BYU. It'll be a shootout, I think. It feels like there are a few group of five. Uh, this is going to be the team who goes to the New Year's Six game every year. You know, there's always the American one and there's the West Coast one. And sometimes there's a second or a third or fourth one, too. So this is probably the biggest example of that, though, this season. 38-35 BYU is my pick. This offense is high flying. They get it done in a big way against the Broncos on the blue. Moving into Saturday, uh, this is going to be a 12 o'clock kickoff on Fox. Uh, big noon kickoff, except the big noon kickoff crew will not be at this game due to COVID. Uh, hopefully they are all doing well. Uh, we can we can all hope. But uh, this is a 9 a.m. kickoff local time uh, out in L.A. Arizona State, USC, first game of the Pac-12. I feel awful for these players having to play a 9 a.m. game, and especially for all the USC and Arizona State fans out on the West Coast. You know, it's 10 a.m. in Arizona, uh, 9 a.m. in L.A. That's awful. Seriously. Um, and I swear people have to start putting some respect in Arizona state's name. I believe in them. They're my sleeper team of the year. And I don't think they'll, they'll work themselves into any playoff conversations. Cause I think they might pick up a loss early. Um, and also the PAC 12. So their season starting in November. So PAC 12 in the playoff con- in the playoff conversation, it seems like Oregon is the only team who can make a push there, but Arizona state is going to be no team to mess around with. And I think they might surprise somebody in bowl season. I think they're going to prove it week one. I think they're going to look impressive against the USC team who, I would say it's pretty overhyped. I got the Sun Devils. I've got USC by 327-24, you know, just by virtue of being at home. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to be in the crowd, but there's something weird about this game. A 9 a.m. kickoff, like, you need everything going in your favor that you can. So if you're waking up in in your city in L.A. and you're going to your stadium to play, that's going to feel a lot more natural to you than it is for Arizona State. That's, that's just kind of a weird game. I, I don't know what to expect in this one. I think the play could be a little sloppy just because, you know, it's the first game of the season all this deep in. Plus, it's at 9 a.m. local time. There, there, there's not a whole lot of normal about this game, but I'm taking USC anyway. By the way, can I just say I love Arizona State's sophomore quarterback, Jaden Daniels. He reminds me of Johnny Football, to be honest. And – he is a sophomore, so he's going to have one more year in college. I really hope to see some big things from him uh, both this season and next year. Yeah, Herm Edwards is doing big things uh, with the Sun Devils out in Arizona. Next game, 3.30 kickoff on CBS, uh, one of the biggest games of the week. This is a huge week for college football. So many great games. Uh, World's Largest Outdoor Cocktail Party in Jacksonville, Georgia, Florida, number eight Gators, number five Dogs. Battle for the SEC East crown like it is a lot of years. I'm taking the Gators. I don't know about you. In this game, I think the only true winner is going to be COVID-19 because it's going to have a field day in Jacksonville. Oh, um, absolutely. This is not it's safe. It's like wildfire at this game. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I got the Bulldogs, and I've been high on Florida going into this year. They just haven't shown me enough. Their defense looks too shaky. And this Georgia offense, they didn't look great against Alabama. I think they have what it takes to get it done against Florida. I got them in a close one. This game's always close, always interesting. I got Georgia. I'm going 31-28, Florida. Uh, Kyle Trask is a much better quarterback uh, than anybody this Georgia defense has faced, except for maybe Mac Jones. Uh, I, an argument really disagree with that. I think Kyle Trask is 
maybe the most overrated player in college football. I think he's overrated, but I think he's still good. Uh, he's not better than Mac Jones. No, certainly not no better way. than Mac Jones, but uh, I still like Florida in this one. I think George is a little overhyped. I'm, I'm taking the Gators. I think sure. both these teams are actually a little overhyped, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, but on the other hand, you know, who else is going to take this? But because you see them ranked at five and six or whatever, and you're like, well, it's yeah, maybe not accurate, but who else is really going to take that spot over them? I think there's uh, a lot of teams who are good, but it would seem like an exaggeration to put them at number five. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, next game, 7.30 p.m. on SEC Network, Tennessee, Arkansas. Pigs have looked good this year. Tennessee's looked shakier than a lot of people expected. Both of these teams are two and three. Arkansas's at home, and I like them here by 10, 31-21. I don't think it'll happen, but I got to pick Arkansas this one just because it would make me so happy to see the Vols lose to the Hogs. Absolutely. Hopefully, Garantano will get picked off like four times in this game mm-hmm. because this Arkansas defense, they picked off – Ole Miss's quarterback, I forget his name, but they got like six, I want to say, interceptions against him at home. Hopefully Arkansas can do something similar, and man, would it make me happy to see the balls go down to Arkansas. Me too, yeah. But uh, let's get into our next game, also at 7.30. Uh, Saturday Night Football in Oregon, Stanford and Oregon. Oregon by nine, that's the spread. I like Oregon by even more. Oregon by 14 here, 38-24 is my pick. Spreads Oregon by nine. I like Oregon by about 39 in this one. Wow. I think they're just way too good for Stanford, and they're going to prove it early on. Yeah, I don't think that number 12 ranking is uh, truly descriptive of how good this Oregon team is. I think they're a little low, but uh, it's it's hard to rank them any higher than that since they haven't played a game yet, but I think they're a better team than that. And uh, let's get into our last game, though. NBC, number one versus number four, game of the week to a lot of people. 7 30 p.m eastern clemson at notre dame clemson's a five and a half point favorite given how they look last week no trevor lawrence i don't like him in this game i like notre dame 35 to 31 as much as i hate to say it i think notre dame's gonna win this one and usually i would be like yes let's go notre dame get this win problem is north notre dame wins this game the acc championship is probably going to be clemson notre dame clemson probably wins that one when trevor lawrence is back and then there's the argument for two ACC teams in the playoff. And I hate the idea of two ACC teams in the playoff. I hate the idea of Notre Dame in the playoff. This is going to be a double whammy of playoff scenarios I hate. So as much as I want Clemson to lose every game, this is one where you actually kind of want them to win because it's kind of, a, I would say it's inevitable to say that Clemson's going to be in the playoff. And it's very much not inevitable that Notre Dame will be in it. So I think a Clemson one would actually keep Notre Dame out. So I'm rooting for Clemson, but I got Notre Dame in a similarly close one. All right, and that'll do it for our show today. Thank you for listening uh, to the First and Ten podcast. We always appreciate it. Patrick and Reed, have a good one. Bye.